Amen. So y'all, uh, I saw, I watched the video of uh, last Wednesday night. That was very interactive. So I pray that uh, tonight uh, you'll you'll be just as interactive. And we're going to kind of rapidly close up uh, chapter four. Uh, y'all stopped in uh, verse 34 of chapter four. Uh, so we're gonna we're not gonna read all of this because it's kind of a, a going back over of what you've already studied. To actually, the last two Wednesday nights it kind of repeats all this. But uh, uh, y'all went over all the the duties of these uh, three sons, uh, Merari and uh, Gershon and uh, Kohath, and y'all went over uh, the things that they did, and it ends the chapter up by by numbering uh, them and the. Uh, and actually the Levites, uh, the total number of Levites. And so uh, uh, we'll just look at these, uh, these numbers uh, from the family of the Kohathites. There's 2,750, that's verse 36 uh, of the Gershon. There's 2,630. And uh, of the sons of Merari, there are 3,200. And, the, and the, the, total, the total number of the, of the Levites, even those that were numbered to them, were 8,504 scores. So there's 8,580 of these, uh, these, these uh, uh, people in these three sons' tribes, which are all Levites, but they're the, the three sons of Levi, that are responsible for the duties of transporting, taking down, transporting, and reassembling the, uh, the tabernacle, and I hope uh, one thing that you uh, you paid attention to was when it came to disassembling the holy place and the holiest of holies and the holy articles that they called them, which were the three articles in the holy place and uh, the uh, the ark of the covenant and the holiest of holies, that could only be done by Aaron and his sons. That had to be taken down and ready to be moved before those other people could ever lay hands on it, okay? So that's the way the Lord uh, did, did that. And if y'all remember, there was a 300 person difference in the total number of all those people that we talked about two weeks ago. And I still kind of suspect, although it don't say, that those 300 people were used uh, directly to help do these things, to, to disassemble the holiest of holies because of the veil. And, and the other things that they, they had to partake of. So we, we find then that they have, that's a, that sounds like a big group of people, doesn't it? But you know what, when you think about this, have you ever carried a, a load on your shoulders all day long, walking, up here? And we're not talking about on highways, we're not talking about on the streets, we're not talking about on paved road or dirt road. We're talking about in wilderness, in a desert area. And uh, and they they didn't have flat level land to walk on, and so some of these articles were very heavy. The altar of uh, sacrifice was very very heavy, uh, and uh, also the the ark of the covenant was heavy. It was it was it was some of it was solid gold, but it was all overlaid with gold, and so it was very heavy. And so uh, this was not an easy thing. And so the Bible don't tell us where they had shifts or they had different ones that would, and I'm sure they kind of, you just about had to figure that in. One group said, okay, I, I've got it first two hours and the next group got the next two hours and whether they did it like that or not, who knows. But they had enough people to actually do those, those type things and everybody not just kill themselves carrying this stuff. All right, any questions about all of this? 
the size of that tabernacle and all of the articles it took to build it, that wasn't a foot tent they was making. No. No. I mean, there's a lot of weight involved. You better believe it. All of those uh, skins and hides and, and all those stuff were big. I mean, they were, they were large. Uh, we gave the dimensions a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, how big. They were all at least six feet wide and they were all 40-some feet long. And, you know, and there were several layers of each one of them that they had to, to roll up and, and transport. So there was a lot of it. It was heavy. And so it's, it's nothing easy. When it, when it comes to serving the Lord, a lot of people think living for the Lord is easy. How many of you agree with that? <laughs> That's when things start getting hard. It, it's impossible to do without the Holy Spirit of God in your, in your life. You cannot possibly live for God without the Spirit in you. You can't do it because that is our power that we do. And so the power that we have to, to successfully live for God is, is comes from the Holy Spirit. The knowledge of how we're supposed to live for God comes from the Gospel. And so those are the two powers we have. We have to join those powers and the Holy Spirit teaches you what that Gospel says and, and helps you to live that way. And when you don't, he takes you on the shoulder and says, you did wrong. Okay? That's the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's not easy. Why? We have a fallen nature. We naturally want to do bad. We have to make ourselves do good. Amen? You have to train your children to do good. You don't have to train them to do bad. That's all comes natural. <laughs> they come pre Program. <laughs> yeah, they come programmed for that, don't they? And so, uh, anyway, so that's why we need all this. We need the power. Okay, let's go to chapter 5. Now, this chapter 5 is going to be a, it's got some interesting stuff in it. I'm really interested to see what you ladies think about the law of jealousy when we get to it here in just a minute. But we don't want to bypass anything before we get there. Uh, so, uh, somebody read for me verses 1 through 4, please. What book are we in? We are in Numbers. Thank you. Numbers chapter 5. The Lord instructed Moses, commanded the Israelites to send away anyone from the camp who is afflicted with the skin disease. Anyone who has a discharge or anyone who is defiled because of a corpse, send away both male or female. Send them outside the camp so that they will not defile their camps where I dwell among them. Verse 4. Mm-hmm. The Israelites did this, sending them outside the camp. The Israelites did as the Lord instructed Moses. Okay, so the first thing we got to do, he's given the order, he's given the placement of the camp, he's given where everybody, their place to be, east, north, south, east, and west. He divided them up into groups. The Levites surround the tabernacle. All this is fine and dandy. Are we ready to go yet? No. There's something we got to do. What do we got to do? We've got to get uncleanliness out of the camp. Okay? That sounds cruel, doesn't it? Because a lot of these people had the uncleanliness of none of their own doing. It was people with disease. It was people with leprosy. It was people that uh, we studied earlier that anybody that had an issue or secreted a fluid. Okay? It didn't have to be from a sexual organ. It didn't have to be blood. It didn't have, It could be pus. It could be anything that, that oozed and ran from your body anywhere would classify you unclean. And we went over the great, in great detail the, the priest's job and 
and, uh, and determining who had leprosy and who didn't. And the procedure that they went through, that he didn't just say, okay, you got leprosy, get out of here. He didn't do that. Remember, what, what did they do? Anybody remember? He put them in a room. And he observed them for seven days. And if it got better, he knew they didn't have leprosy. If it got worse, he knew they did. So it was a, every case that he looked at was a seven-day period. Now, when it came to the ooze and something coming out of the skin or running out, he didn't have to look at that. They were declared unclean, but they would become clean when this dried up, when it cleared up. Remember the woman with the issue of blood that said, if I can just touch Jesus, I'll be healed. She would spent all of her money. She had been going on, it didn't say how long, but she had spent all of her livelihood on physicians trying to get healed, and they couldn't do it. And so this is what they're talking about, a person just like her or, or anyone else that had this ooze. So these people, the Lord wanted them outside the camp. He didn't want them mixed up with the other people. He didn't want them marched with the other people. He didn't want them touching the other people. Go ahead. Uh, I just got thinking about that when I read it. Do you think there was provision made for these people? Or were they just on their own? Or y'all get out of here? No, they weren't on their own. Uh, well, uh, it doesn't say anything about it. Just no. that they were put outside the camp. Right. I assume somebody prepared a place for them to go. Or they, they followed. They followed behind. And uh, But later on, there would be people when they were attacked. That's where they would attack. They would kill those people first. Okay. And, and the Lord didn't like it. And he put them out there for a reason. It was not it was not for just sanitary reasons, but it was because he didn't want anybody catching what they had. It was more of a quarantine, uh, and we, but we all know about quarantine nowadays. Yeah. And so, but he didn't quarantine them each individual alone. He quarantined all of this group they grouped together. So they had each other. And 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 it don't say here, but this includes children, male and female. No no. Uh, gender or age, if, if they had these issues, you know, kids get skin diseases and and uh, they get oozes and stuff too. And so uh, it included the children and everybody else, but they had to, do, they were brought before the priest and he would determine who was unclean and they would separate them that way. Okay? Sounds cruel, but it was, it was something that I think the Lord did uh, that we still mimic today uh, because of that. And uh, now the Lord knew uh, what their diseases were. You know, they didn't know for a long time that leprosy, you can't touch someone and get leprosy. They didn't know that back then. But God did. But he still separated them. But, but they still took care of them and fed them and they did. Yes. Made yes. sure they were taken care of. Yes. When they camped, they camped outside the main body of the camp, but they still had access to the food and everything. They weren't mean to them. They just didn't let them uh, go with them. And this was... At God's orders, not the, not Moses or Aaron or any of the people. God did it this way. So this is my commandment. Let me say one more thing, brother. I heard some years ago that an armadillo carries leprosy germs. Uh, we were kids. We used to chase them around and see them out in different places, throw sticks and rocks at them. Uh, Seen one in a ditch one time, and I reached down and touched him, and he nearly jammed my arm up between my ears. He jumped straight up. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, those things are filthy. Armadillos mm -hmm. are, and that's one source of leprosy right now. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I've I was heard told that. that, and I 
I, I've heard that, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Stay away from them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any questions about this? And, and the Bible says that the children of Israel did so. You know, there's some things God tells us to do that's easier to do than other things he tells us to do. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So they, 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 they listened to him and they did that. And I'm glad they did. They were supposed to. All right. Uh, somebody read me verses 5 through 10, please. Talking about the laws of, regarding restitution. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, when a man or woman shall commit any sin that man commit to do a trespass against the Lord, and that person be guilty, then they shall confess their sin which they have done. And he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof, and add unto it the fifth part thereof, and give it unto him, unto him against whom he hath trespassed. But if the man have no kinsman to recompense the trespass unto, let the trespass be recompensed unto the Lord, even unto the priest, beside the ram of the atonement, whereby an atonement shall be made for him. And every offering of all the holy things of the children of Israel, which they bring unto the priest, shall be his. And every man's hallowed thing shall be his. Whatsoever any man giveth the priest, it shall be his. Okay, so we're talking about laws of restitution. This is laws that that, uh, that that govern like physical property damage when you damage someone else's stuff you borrow something and you break it tear it up they have people accountable for that how many of you ever loaned somebody something and they tore it all to pieces and you didn't even know about it uh oh see hands going up everywhere how'd that make you feel <coughs> feel like you don't want to yeah, how many of you, when you borrow something from somebody and you break it, you feel awful and you try your best to get it back to them in better shape than you borrowed it? Yeah. That's the proper way to do it. Well, that's the way the Lord looked at this. He wanted them to make restitution. If they borrowed somebody, and there was lots of borrowing going on, uh, we don't borrow so much as we used to. I remember when I was a kid, I had a trail between my aunt and uncle's house that lived right up above us, and I was always taking a little bowl up there. I'd get a little bowl of lard, I'd get a little bowl of sugar, I'd get a little bowl of cream, I'd get a little bowl of something, because we was always without, amen? And uh, so, uh, you know, and they borrowed from us the same way. But when it came to tools and things like that, well, they expected each other to take care of that stuff like it was their own, and if they damaged it, to repair it or replace it. That was the way it was. And so, yes, ma'am. Don't let nobody let Pete ride a boy in your truck, in your trailer, in your bushes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he destroyed my tractor and my trailer one time, but. Uh, oh, he destroyed it, the truck. Yeah, yeah. Who is this? We're not supposed to let borrow this. My dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wrecked my tractor. Anyway, y'all can ask, not only and ask him about that, that's kind of a touchy subject. I was going to say, I would want yeah. to be the one to ask him about it. But the Bible calls this a sin. When, when, when there was a damage to property, or, or it didn't have to be a damage to property, it could be fraud, where, where you swindled somebody knowingly. Uh, when, and that goes on all the time too, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and so it could also be uh, a false statements, lies, uh, perjury. It could be a lot of different things that uh, you made up a lie about somebody and, 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 and offended them with their honor or, 
or you cause some harm to the family because of something you made up because you're mad at them. And has anybody ever done that? What? I did a lot when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. And so this is the kind of stuff it's talking about, and the Bible calls it sin for us to knowingly do those things. It's sin. So now tell me how easy it is to sin. You ever had it in for anybody or somebody you just didn't like and you said something about them, you didn't know where it was true enough, but it sounded good, it fit them real well. And, and we have to watch about doing those kind of things. And, and, and if you ever had it happen to you, you understand how they feel when somebody does it to them. And so that's why the Lord tells us to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's the golden rule that he gave us. And, and so the Lord addresses these type of issues before they ever take office. I'm going to tell you, when, when these things happen, you will make restitution when you offend people wrongfully, when you, when you uh, are fraudulent toward them, or if you damage their property, you will be held accountable. And not only that, you're going you're gonna to you're gonna have to make restitution and whatever you destroyed was worth, you're going to add 20% to that and give that to them too. How does that sound? Boy. <coughs> yeah, they started that way back and he's continuing on right now. And so, and not only that, not only that, you have to, uh, you have to make an offering. And, and then the things that you bring, you're going to give it to the priest. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, if you was the priest and you was going to profit off of somebody else's wrongdoing and you were the judge, think about it. And say, well, these people were holy. Well, at the time, they, they were listening to God at this moment. Later on, when Jesus came, the priest scribes, the Pharisees, you remember how he addressed them and what he said about them? Yeah. They were doing just what I told you that they could have done. They were profiting off of all of this stuff. And they wanted to find you guilty or something because they was fixing they were fixing to get something out of it. Not only was they going to get a reward for the one who brought charges, but they were going to profit out of it too. Because it says, and every offering, verse 9, of all the holy things of the children of Israel which they bring unto the priest shall be his. Wow, that's something, isn't it? And every man's hallowed things shall be his, whatsoever any man giveth a priest, it shall be his. And so they left the door open for bribery. And Jesus Christ addressed that later on. He, he told those uh, scribes and, and Pharisees and the priests that you, you have bribed, you have received bribes. Do we still have that kind of stuff going on today? Yes, Do right. you think our politicians never take a bribe? <laughs> Only when they get a change. Yeah. What, makes them, what makes them go in with poor people and in about three months they're millionaires? Yeah, same thing happened to the priests in those days. All of a sudden, they wound up with all, everything. How? Because they, they took bribes, they, they did favors, and they found lots of people guilty because they would make money off of it if they did. And, and so the Lord used an honor system. He wanted to trust these people. He wanted them to obey Him. He wanted them to do right in His eyes. 
And they were supposed to do honestly and justly and correctly because they loved him. Does he still expect us to live that way today? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So when you look at this, you, you see God, you see what he's telling them. He hadn't changed a bit in this stuff right here. He still don't like for you to tear up somebody else's property. He still don't like you to commit fraud. He still don't like for you to, to swindle someone. And he wants you to treat everybody justly, honestly, with forgiveness and mercy and grace and all that good stuff that he does for every one of us. Because if, if he did to us what we deserve, <laughs> woo, wouldn't be one of us sitting here right now. And so he's trying to get this into their minds that you do this correctly. And he's got it set up, and in the beginning it's set up where it's working, it's going to work like a charm, okay? But the abuses start real soon, and they continue on even till today because it's set up that way. All right. God expects us to be honest people. He expects us to be honest people. All right. Now, <laughs> now we're going to just get to talk about women, folks, for just a little bit. And I heard Randy uh, last Wednesday night saying he hated that we didn't get into chapter 5. But boy, there was some good stuff in there. And I thought, boy, is he crazy? He left that for me on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't about to get in chapter 5. He, he would have stopped right here if he had if if got into chapter 5, that he would have stopped right here, I promise you. But anyway, so uh, he was really glad when y'all were really chiming in. So we're going to be talking now about the law regarding jealousy. And uh, we're going to read that first, uh, and then we're going to read uh, a little later on about the test they had to see whether it was right or wrong. All right, somebody read for me verses 11 through 15, please. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, If any man's wife goes astray and behaves unfaithfully toward him, and a man lies with her carnally, and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and it is concealed that she has defiled herself, and there was no witness against her, or what she called. If the spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife, who has defiled herself, or if the spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife, although she has not defiled herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest. He shall bring the offering required for her, one-tenth of an ephah of barley meal. He shall pour no oil on it and put no frankincense on it, because it is a grain offering of jealousy, an offering for remembering, for bringing iniquity to remembrance. Okay, so now, uh, what, is the, what is the thing that glares out most to you about this, this scripture? Come on, ladies, don't be bashful. We'll let you speak up. The most glaring thing is the man is allowed to bring the charge against the woman. And don't say that the woman can bring the charge against the man. Now, this has already been addressed back in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, uh, where the, uh, the Lord told them uh, in the beginning when he was giving them the laws and commandments, if, uh, if there's anyone that's caught in, a, in a, an adultery, that it was a death penalty to who? Both of them, the man and the woman, were to die. 
So this is a serious issue right here because adultery, if proven, uh, would uh, would be handled by the death penalty for the man and the woman. Now later on, we're going to find out, like in Christ's day, uh, they said they caught a woman in the act of adultery. If they caught a woman in the act of adultery, then that means they caught her with a man, yet they didn't bring the man and the woman to Christ. They bring, brought the woman to Christ and slung her at his feet. Remember that? And the law of Moses she be that the law of Moses commanded that she be stoned. What do you say? Yeah. Well, the law of Moses commanded that they should have brought both of them and stoned them both, is what the law of Moses commanded. But Jesus was better than the law of, uh, uh, law of Moses. He came to fulfill the law of Moses, <laughs> and his law was mercy and grace and forgiveness. Nowadays, it'd be. Somebody getting killed, shooting somebody, or, or divorce. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But this shows you that the, the Lord <coughs> takes these things very seriously. He don't scoff at these things. He don't make fun of these things. These things are serious sins. Matter of fact, the sin of adultery is the, is the sin that he chose to show us how he felt when we sinned against him. That he felt betrayed just like a husband felt betrayed by a wife or a wife <laughs> betrayed by a husband. He said, that's the way I feel when you turn from me and sin against me. When you break my commandments, that's how I feel. Now any of you that's ever experienced that, you know how that made you feel. You were sick. You felt horrible. You were betrayed. You were hurt. You, you, you didn't know how to, you couldn't get off your mind. Well, God said, this is the way I am when you do me this way. Wow, that, that kind of clears things up with the wrath of God. Why he's, He is a God of wrath and not just a God of love, doesn't it? And so he says, so this, this uh, if a man's wife goes aside, she commits a trespass against the man, and a man like carnally with her, uh, and uh, but she has not been defiled. That means that she has not been impregnated. You know, one of the things about adultery sometimes is you, it, it's undeniable. When somebody winds up pregnant, something's happened, okay? Now, that's the issue Mary had to deal with because nothing happened with Mary, and that's what made it so hard on her. But, but here he says that uh, there's, if there's no witness, nobody's seen anything, but the husband has got it in the back of his head. She has been running around on me. Hmm. Jealousy is something that's tough. And one of the things, reason I think the Lord did this, and I believe that in this test that we're going to talk about here a little later on, God made this test work. Sounds silly and ridiculous to us, but I think he made it work. Because he knew that jealousy was something that would destroy a person. It'll destroy a relationship for sure, but it will destroy a person to be a jealous person. Okay? So he knew this. And, and I'll be honest with you, I have been a jealous man before. And am I the only one? James been jealous. AD been jealous. I think I think everybody has in their younger younger marriage or 
younger age or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been doing while I've been at work all day? <laughs> now they work too. How come you're home so late? Where have you been? I heard that you was with someone. Woo. Wow. Anyway, jealousy is not a good thing. It's, it's something that, that, that takes a toll on everything, your relationship and yourself. It says that there, there's no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner, which means she is not pregnant. And so uh, he, he just got it. And then, and then look at this. He called jealousy here a spirit. He said a spirit, the spirit of jealousy come upon him and he be jealous of his wife. And it's a, it's a spirit that comes over a person, man or woman, that when, that when that spirit of jealousy enters into us, we can't think of nothing else. <coughs> Amen? Now, y'all are all loud. A lot of y'all raised your hands a while ago. You know what I'm talking about. It'll eat on you. lay down at night and you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning and you're thinking about it. You have to address it one way or another. And there's no easy way to tell somebody that you love, I think you've been running around on me. <laughs> Amen? Right, we have church now. Y'all ain't want to fess up. That's okay. And, and so he calls it a spirit of jealousy. And it's come upon him. And he's jealous of his wife. And she be defiled. Now, it don't. he ain't proven nothing. He ain't got a witness. She's not pregnant. He can't prove anything. But in his mind, she's defiled. In his mind, she's defiled. And so this spirit of jealousy has come into to, to him, and he can't ha cannot have a normal relationship now with his wife. And if she's the one jealous, she can't have a normal relationship with her husband. Okay? Because they're jealous of one another. And so he says, now, so we've got to get this out in the open. The best way to confront jealousy between a husband and a wife is for them to talk about it. Not, with a, not in a crowd. Not with a group. Certainly not with your children. But just one-on-one -on -one conversation. Well, the spirit of jealousy didn't work that way because he's asked her, and I'm just, this is hypothetical, did you run around with, with, uh, with, uh, I can't think of the name. Joe Blow. Joe no, we don't use Joe Blow. We want to use the Sheik of the Burning Sand. What was his name? Did you run around with Jody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you run around with Ahab day around? Yeah, I know you did. He's a sheik of the burning sand, and he, I know. Y'all burn, burn up, yeah. So this sounds silly, doesn't it? But God didn't think it was silly. He had to address it, okay? And so he says, uh, so she, he don't believe her. And so now it, it, it's trouble in the tent. There, there's trouble, and it's going to lead to more trouble if it's not addressed. So what does he do? He takes her to the church house. He takes her to the, you know, I've talked to a lot of people right in that little room right back there. And the spirit of jealousy was there. Happens all the time, even today. And says, uh, then, then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest. 
Christian counseling was originated by God. Okay? But back then it wasn't just talk because they weren't supposed to talk of such matters then. And so he, he had a, God gave him a way to do this thing. He said, bring a woman unto the priest and, and bring her offering for her. So the man has got to bring the offering for her and he tells what it is, ten part of an ephah, part of meal, pour no oil upon it. Now this is something that we don't want oil on because that's symbolic of the spirit, nor put frankincense, which is symbolic of prayer, uh, we, we, uh, uh, the sweet aroma, we just, we just want the meal. Because if this is true, the oil and the frankincense don't need to be a part of it. Okay? Well, this ain't, this ain't a worship service. This is a get down to the truth service. Okay? Not a worship, worship service. And, and he says, uh, for it is an offering of jealousy. An offering of memorial. We're going to remember this day. Amen? You're either going to be proven wrong or you're going to be proven right. So it's an offering of memorial. You're going to remember this day bringing iniquity into remembrance. If she's guilty, then it's fixing to show up right now. Amen? But see, the Bible tells us to stir up the gift that's within us by what? Remembrance. Now, if you stir the gift up that way, you can also stir iniquity up that way. You ever thought of that? How many of you ever got mad, knocked down, drag out with wife or the husband, get over it, six months down the road, you think about it again, and you get mad all over again. Oh boy, I see the people coming around. I ain't talking, how do you know that? How do I know that, because I've done that too. Yeah, men got this saying about women, they don't forget nothing. I'd be done forgot about something. <laughs> she ain't. <laughs> She'll bring it up. She had to refresh my memory because I forgot what she's talking about. Amen. Well, there's some men like that too, by the way, that, that rehearse this stuff. The uh, iniquity, bringing iniquity to remembrance. That's why the Lord, now listen to me. And I know I'm being kind of lengthy on some of this stuff, but I like to think about God. There's attributes of God in all of this. God is able to forgive and what? Forget. We can't do that. Well, it's quiet in here now. We just can't. We don't have that ability. It's a power. It's a gift. It's something, it's an attribute of God that he can do that because he is the one who can forgive sins. And when he forgives sins, the Bible says he forgets them and he casts them away from him to not remember them. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the man whose sins are not accounted unto him. Amen? Those are sins that we've confessed to God and he's forgiven us for we're not held accountable for those sins anymore. Now there's a consequence, but not from him, it's from the people around us. That's why we say every sin has a consequence. Okay? 
It does. But why? It don't come from God. It comes from other people because we can't forget it. How many of you ever told somebody you forgave them and really didn't? <laughs> Boy, I'm getting nosy. I'm a good preacher, ain't I? I'm a nosy pastor. I'm just getting where we live. That's human nature, brother. It's, it's who we are. We have a fallen nature. <clears throat> Amen? We have a fallen nature. And there's been a, so many relationships destroyed because of these very things we're talking about here. Because we can't forgive and forget. We can forgive maybe. We can't forget. And sometimes we say we forgive when we don't mean it. We just bring it back up and beat somebody over the head with it. They get tired of it. And we run them off. God's not that way. Thank God He's not that way. But He knew we are. So this is the way He had them to do it. It don't sound... The older, the older we get, the easier it is to forget. <laughs> you got a point there. I forget where my shoes are. <laughs> well, the closest we can come to that is to forgive and learn to keep our mouth shut. Absolutely. <laughs> to forgive and not bring it up anymore. And how many of you ever told somebody, we're going to talk about this and I never want to talk about it again ever. I don't want to hear it no more. You ever done that? There's a reason we do that. Because if we don't learn to be silent, like Brother Jim says, then that, that feeling can't go away. Whether it be jealousy, hatred, whatever it is, just, up, yeah. it just builds up. And, and, and we need to learn how to keep our mouth shut and, leave, and, and find a place of prayer and cast that burden on the Lord. He asked for it. He said, just give it to me. I'll, I'll lighten your load. You give it to me. I can carry that burden for you. And that's what we have to do as Christians. We, man, we're so blessed that we have a Savior that will move all of that stuff for us. We can give it to Him. Woo, I like that, don't you? He requires one thing from us. Confession of truth. We've got to confess it. He knows it already. But we've got to confess it to Him. That's His requirement, not mine. And he said, when you confess that before me truthfully and honestly, he said, I'm faithful to do something. What is it? I'm, I'm faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all that unrighteousness. How? By the blood of Christ. That's beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful. What our Savior has done for us and the way he's made for us. And our part is to be truthful and honest. That's why the Bible says that our loins and the armor of God are to be girded about with what? Truth. Truth. God deals with truth. He don't like a liar because the devil is a liar and the father of lies. So he, won't, he expects truth from us to him. Okay? Alright. Now, we've got just enough time uh, to talk about this text. It's going to be a lengthy reading, so somebody read for me verse 16 through 31. So jump in there. Then the priest shall bring her near, have her stand before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water in the earthenware vessel. And he shall take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it in the water, into the water. The priest shall then have the woman stand before the Lord. 
and let the hair of the woman's head go loose and place the grain offering of, of memorial in her hands, which is the grain offering of jealousy, and in the hand of the priest is to be the water of bitterness that brings a curse. The priest shall have her take an oath and shall say to the woman, if no man has lain with you, and if you have not gone astray into uncleanness, being under the authority of your husband, be immune to this water of bitterness that brings a curse. If you, however, have gone astray, being under the authority of your husband, and if you have defiled yourself and a man other than your yourself and a man other than your husband and has had intercourse with you, then the priest shall have the woman swear with the oath of the curse. And the priest shall say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people. By the, uh, by the Lord making your thigh waste away and your abdomen swell. And the water that brings a curse shall go into your stomach and make your abdomen swell and your thigh waste away. And the women shall say, Amen and Amen. The priest shall then write these cur uh, curse, curses on a scroll. And he shall wash them off into the water of bitterness. Then he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings a curse, so that the water which brings a curse will go into her and cause bitterness. The priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy from the woman's hand, and he shall wave the grain offering before the Lord and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the grain offering as its memorial offering and offer it up upon the smoke of the altar and afterwards he shall make the woman drink the water. When he has made her drink the water then it shall come about if he has defiled, if she has defiled herself as, and has been unfaithful to her husband that the water which brings a curse will go into her and cause bitterness and her abdomen will swell and her thigh will waste away and the woman will become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, she will then be free and uh, conceive children. This is the law of jealousy when a wife being under the authority of her husband goes astray and defiles herself or when a spirit of jealousy comes over a man and he is jealous of his wife, he shall then make the woman stand before the Lord and the priest shall apply all this law to her. Moreover, the man will be free from guilt, but the woman shall bear her guilt. Okay, so we need to understand this. This is something that God gave them to do. Now, what's that mean? That means this works because God made it work. Do we do this anymore? No, we don't do these kind of things anymore. But God made this work because God is a God of truth. God saw everything. God knew where the woman was uh, uh, adulterous or not. He knew who she committed adultery with. He's an all-seeing, all-knowing God. Even if, if he hadn't seen it, Christ had the ability to, to read people's thoughts, read their hearts, and he would actually confront them about what they were thinking. He would just blow their mind. God's always able to do that. He still can do that today. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows the truth about you and me. You don't fool God, but you fool man. And so he made this this uh, this 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 test 
and he gave it his blessings and it worked. How many of you believe that? If the woman was guilty, this did exactly what it was supposed to do. If she was not guilty, it didn't have any effect on her whatsoever. Now think about that. It's a picture of our guilt before God, our accountability before God, that God knows, God provides, there's going to be a judgment by God, provided by God, He'll do it any way He wants to. We, we just know we're going to be judged, we don't know what it's going to look like. Okay? But we know that He's going to know the truth, and we're not going to be able to lie to Him, we ain't going to get by, able to get by with anything, we don't have excuses, none of that's going to apply when we get over there in front of Him. Yeah, that I, I didn't have enough time. I ain't gonna fly with him. Amen. I can't read. Don't even apply with him. I mean, we got. You can listen to the gospel now. Anyway, so he here's his test. He said the the priest is gonna take holy water. They're gonna they're gonna bring her to the to the door of the tabernacle. She's going to have this, uh, this meal in her hand, this, this uh, what is it, wheat barley. barley. He's going to have this in her hand. He ain't going to have it on. She's going to have it in her hand. And he's going to take her veil from off of her head, and he's going to pour water and stuff on top of her head. Okay? That's what he's going to do. Now, this, there ain't no other man gets to do that to, the, to their women. Take that veil off. This is part of the part of the way it is. She gets treated. A lot of women look just say, "Man, what? A, how disrespectful!" Because see, this this law is a two. It's a double-edged sword, like the Word of God. It addresses her sinfulness. If she's if she's innocent, it addresses his jealousy. Okay, because if she's not if she's not guilty, it makes him look foolish. If she is guilty, she's got a price she's going to pay. Okay? And, and it's not death here, by the way, because there's been no witness. Okay? You got that? And there's been no witness, remember? No one's seen this. It's something he's thought up in his mind. And so he says, so he, you put, then he puts, the, uh, he puts the water, holy water, in an earthen vessel. Now, why? When they use this earthen vessel, what do they do with it? They have to throw it away. But why? Because the, the ingredients gets inside of the earthen vessel. It's not one you can clean and wash up, you throw it away. But we're earthen vessels. Okay? And only the blood of Jesus can clean us up. The sin gets in us and it's like this pottery. It, we can't get it out, but He can. Thank God for Him. Amen. And so it says, uh, in the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle, he reaches down and gets some dirt out of the floor of the tabernacle and he throws it in this earthen vessel and stirs it up this little bit. <laughs> it's God's design, not mine. And he sets the woman before the Lord. He uncovers her head and, and, and putting an offering of memorial in her hands, he takes, he takes some of that jealousy offering and the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water that causes the curse. Now he has this prayer with her and he, he, he tells her about what's going to happen if she takes this water and she's guilty or she takes this water and she's not guilty and he makes sure she understands that verse 22 and the woman shall say, Amen. 
Do, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Because this, why would he do that? Why? This is your opportunity, final opportunity to say, I did it. Okay? Now this woman don't do that. And the priest shall, shall write these curses in a book. So he writes down all these things that's going on. And then he takes this water, this bitter water, and he wipes it out of the book. You see that? And, it shall cause, and, and the priest shall write these curses in a book, and once he just prayed with her, and then he shall blot them out with the bitter water. So he takes the bitter water. I don't know what kind of ink he's using, but you already know what water does to ink. It smears it. So he smears this book and what he's written with this water. And then he causes her to drink the water. Now, I like what it says. I don't like what it says, but it says he causes her to drink. Now, if he offers her this water and she don't drink, guess what he does? He pours it in. He causes her to drink. She's going to have to drink this water. That sounds just awful to us. Barbaric to us, doesn't it? To put this woman through this. And so, uh, and, and this is the drink that he's prayed with her about and told her about and that, that causes the curse. It shall enter into her and it will become bitter. Whether she's innocent or guilty, it's going to be bitter. It's awful water. Okay? Any of ever drink awful water, bitter water? You ever drank out of a cow track? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> anyway, we got to move on. And so the, the priest shall take the jealousy offering of the woman's hand and shall wave the offering before the Lord and offer it upon the uh, altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the offering, even the memorial thereof, and burn it upon the altar and afterwards shall cause the woman to drink the water. So she drinks the water now. And then when she drinks the water, there's one or two things that will happen. It's going to swell her stomach up because it's bitter. But if she's guilty, it will cause her thigh to rot. You know what that's implying to us? It'll take her away any ability that she ever had to bear children. She's going to be barren now. She's not going to be able to bear children anymore. That's what that's about. And, it's, and, uh, and that's the reason it says... Uh, uh, that, that she will be a curse among her people. Not only are people, so I don't know if other people watching this or not. I just kind of think not. But he, he's bringing her here. And I, hopefully it's kind of a private matter between him and her and the priest. But we don't know that. The Bible don't tell us if there's lots of people observing this. But it says she will become a curse to her people. Women of that day thought if they couldn't have child, children, they were cursed. And they were made fun of. So that's what it means that she would become a, a curse among her people. And if the woman be not defiled, but be clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive seed. If she's not guilty, her belly will swell, but her leg, will, her, her thigh will not rot, and she will still be able to, to have children. This is the law of jealousies. When a wife goes aside to another man instead of her husband, and it defiled, or when the spirit of jealousy cometh upon him, and he be jealous over his wife, and shall set the woman before the Lord, and the priest shall execute upon her all this law. Then shall the man be, now listen to this, this is something else I know you don't think is fair. Why did this woman have to go through all this? He don't get nothing. Yeah. He's guilty. guiltless. Oh, 
He's guiltless. He's guiltless. Because of her suffering, now listen, there's a picture here. Because of what she suffered, he's guiltless. What's that a picture of? Jesus. It's a picture of Christ suffering for us, even through a woman's suffering. Yeah. But why? Why? It's about the women. I don't know. It was a man's world, all I, all I can tell you. Back then, it was a man's world. Does it mention anywhere, do you think, somewhere in Chronicles, it's not the Chronicles in the Bible, what she did to him when she got him home? <laughs> well, I don't know where that rolling pin back then, but he probably got a few knots on his head. Well, and then, even at the end, it says, Then the, the woman shall bear her iniquity. His was taken from him. He was not guilty. If she was guilty, she would bear her iniquity. If she was not guilty, she was not. She did not bear iniquity, and, but he would be forgiven. It, it, he would be uh, justified in his jealousy, but it, his jealousy would be. I think what that's really talking about. He wouldn't be jealous anymore. This would prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he could trust his wife. But he did put her through the ringer. We don't understand the ways of God. That's why the Bible says he is a mystery to us. His ways are not our ways. He is higher above us and we can even rec recognize when you go to trying to think like God, you would be in way over your head. Don't care how smart you are. He's got a reason for everything and this was his purpose so it's not for us to question him why he did it but it's the way he did it and when if she was innocent my George, she was absolutely innocent after this. Nobody could say a word about her anymore. And she was clear. The Lord was taking care of the men, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you better be quiet. Let's get up for it. You better. <laughs> <laughs> we better get up for James gets us all in front of fighting in here. Anyway. I hope you've enjoyed the night study and you, now you see why Randy the young tell him I think he's a coward. Why he didn't hurry up get on into that because he, he made that remark. He said verse five is gonna be real interesting. I mean chapter five going to be real interesting. So there it is. And so next week we're going to be talking about the, uh, we're going to start in chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to be talking about the Nazarite vow. And we know a lot of Nazarites in the Bible and uh, the vows that they took. And we're going to read and study what those those things meant. And you're going to learn some things about the Nazarites you didn't know, I think. So study up on it, read chapter 6, and we'll we'll take it, tear into it next Wednesday night. I love y'all. Thank y'all for my vacation. Thank y'all for taking care of things. And, uh, and and we had a good time, a relaxing time, a do-nothing time, and that's what we needed. So thank you for that. And I just pray that all of you get to do that, and we'll do, take advantage of doing something just like that. We all need that. Brother A.D., would you dismiss us? Lord God of glory, Father of heaven, Creator, of heaven and earth. Thank you for these names that were brought up tonight in faith to be put on the list to be prayed for. We ask each and every person here to faithfully pray for these people, believing and knowing that God said, whatsoever you ask in my name shall be done. Thank you, Lord, for this lesson tonight. Help us, Lord, to tuck it in our hearts and our minds, Lord, to know and understand that you've always had a way for us to 
behave and things for us to do and not do. And it's only because of disobedience, stiff-neckedness, hard-hearted people that we're in a situation that the world is in. We cannot blame other people as we were once there. Thank you for the redeeming blood that has been, the price has been paid for our redemption. Thank you, O oh God. Go with us as we go home now. And help us, Lord, not to just put this away, but to think about it and prepare ourselves for the next night that we study in your word. We thank you, O oh God, for the safe return of a pastor and his wife, our visitors, our, our members here that have been out of town. Thank you, O oh God, for all the many blessings and the way that you've taken care of us. We ask you, Lord, to keep your hand on us. Guide us, direct us, help us, Lord, to follow in your footsteps. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.